Okay, let me get continue. Okay, so Hari Volgurudev, do you have anything you want to share before taking questions? Well, not too much. It's been very nice here. We have a nice group of devotees and discussions have been very nice. In the morning, I've been lecturing from the Brahma Leela and Maharaj has been lecturing in the evenings. Padmanabha Maharaj from Venu Gita and everyone seems happy. We had some initiations the other day, um, which is very nice on Udharandatta Thakur's uh, disappearance day. I hope that as many devotees as possible are able to connect with this, those daily uh, classes that we're conducting here. With that said, uh, let me take the questions. If there's anybody here in our group has any questions, Maharaj has a question. Maharaj has a question from Kishore Das. Mm -hmm. So he's asking, what type of relationship do Priyanarma suckers have with Radha? And what type of relationship do they have with, with her managers? Servitude, friendship, or a mix of both? Um, so do I need to repeat that, or did you hear that? I mean, I could hear that, but do, Arshana, do we need to repeat it for the translation? Yeah, she's saying yes. So Kishore is asking, what type of relationship do Krishna's intimate friends, as Priyanarma Sakas, have with Radha, and what type of relationship do they have with uh, Radha's manjaris? Is it Sakya, Dasya, Vatsalya, Madhurya? Something like that, right? Mostly servitude, friendship, or, or a mix of both. He was wondering. Servitude, yes. Is it servitorship, friendship, or both? Hmm. So this is a question uh, with regard to Krishna's intimate friends who um, whose fraternal love has been compared to yogurt that has a drop of honey and maduria in it, which um, they are attracted to. And they're attracted to that because they see that it affects Krishna in a particular way and they want to be privy to that and to participate in that. So they're sympathetic to his romantic affairs, which makes them sympathetic to his leading ladies and of course, the Priyadharma Sakas, who we are focused on through the lens of the, of the Goswamis in their writing, are all uh, Narma Sakas uh, associated with Radha or her um, intimate friends, for the most part. Um, that is to say that the Narma Sakas they have let's say as a sadhaka entering into that realm of sadhana siddha they have a guru who's in 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 sakurasa they have a uh ideal parshad or associate of krishna who their guru follows who they follow in sakurasa sakurasa group leader and then they have a a female group leader also um and so 
they're associated, uh, for example, the classic example or the, the pinnacle, if you will, of Sakuras, Brinama Sakuras is Subal, and he has a relationship with Radha as a Kinkar uh, servant. Um, Madhu Mongols describe him that way as well. So uh, when we say that they have a relationship with the Yuteshwari or the female group leader, it's similar to the relationship they have with the female, with the male group leader. Similar but different. With the male group leader, they're in Sakurasa, but they have some service relationship with the group leader at the same time. And and um, so uh, similarly with their Yuteshwaris, they have friendly relationships. They're uh, friends, but they render service at the same time, like bringing messages back and forth and so on. So uh, that said, overall, in general, um, Rupa Goswami describes something called Suhit Rati. After we're in the context of discussing Staibhavs, he kind of comes to an end of sorts in that chapter in which the dominant emotions that define a person, parental love, fraternal love, romantic love, servile love, are all, these are the Staibhavs, are all centered on Krishna. So he is the object of all the love in Vrindavan, it's all orbiting around him. So when Rupa Goswami brings up something different, Suhartabhav, it's as if he was thinking, someone might ask the question, what is the relationship between one gopi and another? One, uh, one coward friend of Krishna and another one coward friend of Krishna and um, and um, one of Krishna's girlfriends, and so forth. Sridham is the, is the brother of, older brother of Radharani. So they have normal relationships with them, like an older brother, like a friend. Um, they have normal relationships with Yasoda, like she's an elder and a mother. But they don't have sakuras per se with her. They have, or they don't have, they have sakuras. They, they have sakuras with Krishna. They have. Rupa Goswami is described in an overarching sense. We call it surit rati, and it may take different shapes, hmm? but it means they have friends, hmm? and this is largely like a, like a Sanchari Bhav. Sanchari Bhav, something that comes and goes. Sanchari means like that, it's transient. It comes and it serves and augments and nourishes the Stai Bhav. So all the different relationships between the devotees hmm, nourish their relationships with Krishna. And, and again, in an overarching sense, we call it Surit Bhav. Now, Surit means love of, means friend, Surit Rati, love of the friend. But where your friend may be in the, the parent, the other uh, companion, 
one of Krishna's girlfriends. So it's going to take the shape as it should accordingly in a human-like um, relationship. But back to the Priyanarmasakas, then again, they have a relationship with a Yuteshwar, a group leader in Sakyaras, and a Yuteshwari, a group leader in Madhurya Rasa. So if you look at Zubal, he has a relationship with Radha, it's described as a Kinkar, a servant of Radha. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they're not friends. Mm -hmm. um, and same holds true with uh, the Manjaris of Radha. These two, in particular, Madhurya Rasa and Sakyarasa, are uh, compatible. Rupa Goswami cites friendly rasas, rasas and enemy rasas. <laughs> so there are other rasas than your own. They will be friendly because they will, they will, they work well with your sentiment and cause it to be nourished. Whereas others will be enemies, they'll cause it to contract. Like one will cause it to expand, another cause it to contract. Like Patsali Rasma cause Sakyaras to contract or Mariras to contract. If Radha is in the presence of Krishna, well, her Mariras has to retract. So it's not being facilitated by the presence of the Patsali Rasa. That doesn't mean that is in a sweet situation when we say one is that. An, a, an enemy, one is a friend. It's a little strong language Prabhupada Swami uses. I like to say compatible and incompatible, but that doesn't mean that, that Radharani is incompatible with, with Yashoda, for example, or with uh, uh, Nanda Maharaj and so on and so forth. But uh, in all of this, then again, the two, uh, Sakyaras and Madhuryaras are very compatible with one another. And boys and girls will be friends. What else? Another question here? Anyone? Okay, any question on online? So there was a question from the devotees in Raleigh. Why don't you ask it? <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Hi, Krishna. Um, good morning. Uh, we were reading the Chaitanya Charitamrita together this morning. And in the third chapter, we ran into the verse from Gargamuni about the uh, white, red, yellow, and black uh, incarnations of Krishna and the different yugas. And then Kanuram was saying, well, it seems like in the Bhagavatam, there's mention of four yugas, but then Sarvabhom Bhattacharya was bringing up this tree yuga idea. And we know that Lord Chaitanya is the hidden avatar, but at the same time, it seems like there is mention of four yugas and avatars. And then someone else brought up the idea of yuga yuga from the Bhagavad Gita. And then one other thing discussed as we were trying to wrap our brains around this was uh, the idea that Krishna and Gora are not exactly avatars anyway. So how does this all go together? It seems like Bhagavatam talks about four Yuga avatars, but at the same time, uh, tree Yuga and this and that and the other. 
Does that make it clear enough what we're wondering about? Yeah, clear to all of you, probably not. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, well, Sarvabhoma uh, Bhattacharya was not that familiar with the Bhagavatam. Uh, <laughs> okay. The answer to his, his point that Krishna only, I came up somewhere in this discussion, I guess, with Mahaprabhu uh, or with Gopinathacharya. Gopinathacharya was brother in law and um, and uh, he was making the claim that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, was an avatar, was God, if not Krishna himself. And Sarvabhoma was a very sober and learned uh, fellow, and he kind of chuckled um, at Gopinath's sentiment as Sarvabhoma thought of it. Mm -hmm. um, and said, you know, we should be ruled by the scripture, not by just some sentiment and imagination. And in, in uh, maybe uh, Vishnu Sahasranam, uh, he's referred to as, as uh, one of his name is Triyuga, the implication of which is he only appears in three yugas and it's Kali Yuga. So your idea that this boy, nice as he is, young man, is is an avatar, is, is uh, just your uh, sentiments that aren't grounded in, in scripture, so they don't um, have any spiritual uh, uh, currency or purchasing power. So uh, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, at least, Sarvabhoma is depicted as rather dry and, um, and being of an Advaitin disposition. So, Bhagavatam is not exactly the favorite book of, of the Advaitins. Um, I would say he's not unacquainted with it. He did cite the Atmarama verse from the Bhagavatam and explain it in several different ways to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, only to find it, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu turned around and explained it in 60 some ways to him and converted him. Hmm? 18. 18 ways. 18 ways. Later, Sanatan said. 61% of them. Well, Sanatana Goswami asked him to, to explain it all the 18 ways that he did to Sarvabhoma, and then Mahaprabhu explained it 61 ways to Sanatana. Anyway, Mahaprabhu converted uh, Sarvabhoma about the charger um, in a way, you know, through his, through his silence, as I was saying the other day, but um, also with his erudition, a teachable moment had been created. In Sarvabhoma by the young man, uh, Sri Krishna Chaitanya's uh, silence. So, at any rate, the answers that Gopinath Acharya gives to Sarvabhoma, hmm, to refute him, are the answers from the Bhagavatam. Kind of verses, I, he might be incited that verse uh, that you cite of Gargacharya from maybe the eighth, eighth chapter of the 10th canto. Um, and then furthermore, to kind of seal the, uh, the case, if you will, uh, a verse was, I believe he cited a verse from the seventh, maybe the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam, where Prahlad Maharaj describes 
the Lord as Tri Yuga. And in invoking the word, the name Tri Yuga means three Yugas, he explains it as well in the Bhagavatam by way of saying that Chanakalo, this means, Tri Yuga means that in Kali Yuga, he comes in a hidden way. So he's not visible to everybody. It's not, it's not well known. This is a secret um, Leela. He's just, you know, he's disguised as a devotee of himself, something like that. So I, it doesn't appear from Chaitanya Charitamrita that Sarvagoma was fully con convinced by the scriptural support that Gopinath uh, Acharya brought forward for his sentiments about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is a little unbecoming on the part of the Bhattacharya. Mm -hmm. But uh, 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 the idea behind that is that he was to be converted directly by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in no uncertain terms. That conversion of Sarvabhama was also checked later on by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to see if his bhakti, which he now professed after being converted, was covered by gyan or karma. He did that by way of approaching him one morning early bringing him Jagannath Prashad and said, I brought you Jagannath Prashad and the, but the charges immediately honored the Prashad. And Mahaprabhu said, how can you honor the Prashad like this? You have, it's not this time of the day and you haven't said this kind of prayers and you haven't done this and this. And so all part of the karma marg. And Bhattacharya replied, maybe gave some nice verses about Krishna Prashad. There's no time a day or circumstance that are required to honor. Mahaprabhu was very pleased. Uh, your bhakti is not covered by karma. Later then, um, uh, he was very happy to hear Sarvabhoma's uh, desire to change a word in the Bhagavatam. There's a verse in the Bhagavatam from the 10th canon, it's actually from Brahma's prayers, where he says, Tatenu kampam susamikshamana bhudani vatmikritam vipakam. This is one event, one who takes the, the brunt of their circumstances in life as they, as they um, are confronted with and uh, doesn't budge from my service, becomes qualified, to, becomes, inherits the, the kingdom of God. And, and the word is used, mukti, chiveta yo mukti. Sarvabhama didn't like the word mukti anymore. He wanted to change it to bhakti. So I guess Mahaprabhu didn't exactly test him, but he, but he, but his, he, 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 hearing that, he knew always oh, bhakti is not covered by, by, by gyan, because mukti more typically, um, and in Sarvabhama's world, as an Advaitin, referred to sayuja mukti, and gyan is superior to bhakti. Hmm in that, uh, that perspective uh, and so forth. So Mahaprabhu said, you can't change the word in the Bhagavatam, but I can appreciate your, your sentiment. <laughs> uh, see how he changed. Previously he was criticizing Gopinath, where it's just a sentiment. 
Now he's ready to change the, the, the Bhagavatam or any scripture to support his own sentiment. He's so convinced and so converted by, by Mahaprabhu personally. But Mahaprabhu then explained to him, so you can take it like this, bhakti, you mukti pade, pade means feet, mukti pade at the, at the, mukti at the feet of Bhagavan. So not sayuja mukti. And then of course, liberation is included within bhakti was what Mahaprabhu was encouraging to, how, how Mahaprabhu was encouraging to think of that uh, Bhagavatam verse. So, you know, it's part of the Leela that Mahaprabhu would personally convert him. You think, you would think he should have been converted by Gopinath's reply, in which he cited the verses from Bhagavatam, that one that you ask about, I believe, and the one from Prahlad as well. But then again, without a Gaudiya commentary on these verses, even if you read them, you might understand. Let's give a nice example of a prominent example of that. In the 11th canto, in the fifth chapter, maybe the 32nd verse, Krishna Varnam Pisa Krishnam Sangopangasta Parshadam Yagnayasam Kirtana Prayer Dajantihi Sumedasa says, well, in this section of the Bhagavatam, Karabhajana Muni is speaking to the, uh, or the, or the Navi Yogendras, these seven sages. There's, these are sages who had Jnana who got converted to Bhakti, like Sukadev, um, like Bilbo Mangal Thakur, uh, and so forth. And, uh, and the, 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 the Karabhajana Muni is conversing with them and asking about the different yugas and how the Lord appears in the different yugas, right? So they describe him as Satyuga appears like this, his complexion is this color, he does this. In the Tretyuga, he appears like this, he's this color, this complexion. And in, in, in Dwarpa Yuga, like this, and so forth. And then, uh, having concluded their description, I think, on Dwarpa Yuga, what did they say in the second half of that verse? They go on to speak. In, in themselves in a somewhat of a covert way about the Kali Yuga. They say, Nana Tantra Vidhanena, Kalo Nana Tantra Vidhanena. And in Kali Yuga, Kalo, in Kali Yuga, um, the worship, which typically a Yuga avatar would establish, versus Nana Yuga, we will turn to the tantras. We turn to the tantra literature. There you will find Gotamiya Tantra and uh, all nice verses about uh, Goloka, about Krishna's associates and so forth. So many mantras drawn from there that are part of our uh, ritualistic uh, worship um, and so forth. Emphasis on the Shakti. Uh, in the in the tantra section, not a tantra vidana, kalo something. Yeah, Srinu, listen very carefully, and I'll tell you. So you got to listen real carefully is the point to catch it. And that's what Jiva Goswami did. And so when the next verse comes, which nobody interpreted in the way he does. When you hear his interpretation of the verse I cited, Krishna Varnam Tisa Krishnam Sangopakas Pangastaparashadam 
Yogi Samkirtana prayer, it's clear as day that now the Kali Yuga avatar is being spoken about. Krishna Varnam, he is always speaking the syllables Krishna. Varnam means syllables, and Varnam means he's of the category of Krishna. Means he's Krishna himself. Krishna Varnam, Krishna Krishna. But Krishna also means black. But he's Twisa Krishna. He's not black. He's of the category of Krishna, but he's not black. In his own explanation, Jiva Goswami has penned an original verse himself where he says, Antar Krishna Bahirgauram. Outside he's golden in complexion, but inside he's black. Inside, he's Krishna, but now he's uh, dressed in a golden complexion. So Krishna Varnam Tisa Krishna Sangopangastra Parshta. He comes with his associates and expansions, Angas, Upangas, like Nityananda Prabhu, Advaita, Garadhar, Shivas. This is Panchatattva being described. He, he, he put a picture of Gorn Thai Jai, Vandeshi Vishnu Chaitan, Nityananda Sahodito, Vodai, Pushpavanto, Chitra, Sangotamagre. And Yagnai Sankirtana prayer. He'll be worshipped by Sankirtana. By those who made us a very fine <laughs> intelligence to capture, to catch this, this point. Now, when you hear this verse, it's obvious. I mean, what, what could it be? How could it be speaking about anything else? And given the context, the Yuga avatars are being described. But nobody prior to, to Jiva Goswami explained the verse in that way. And there are many, many, many commentaries on the Srimad Bhagavatam. So you need someone who's very much a player in that Krishna Leela out of which Gaur Leela manifests. Out of the, in the zenith of uh, aesthetic rapture in a Rasa Leela, this is where we find Chaitanya Leela begins. There had to be some witnesses there. Those Manjaris are also present, like Vilas Manjari, appearing in this world as Jiva Goswami. There, in that land, they were simple, uneducated, prepubescent uh, girls. But the fact that that, what they, what they, what they are there, the embodiment of, is beyond all knowledge, becomes apparent when they come to this world. There, there is no need for the armor and the power, the, the majesty of knowledge. That gets in the way. But when they come to a place where knowledge is required, see how much knowledge they have. They drew from so many texts to establish this Gaudiya canon. And, and how they explained this verse from Bhagavatam, when you read it, you think, no other explanation. How could anybody miss it? They did. So without the Gaudiya and no, and, and you can understand just by practical understanding of psychology and no one um, no one makes the Bhagavatam um, as central 
to their spiritual life than the Gaudias. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made the Bhagavatam his, his own, with his own heart. He used to hear it from Gadadhar Pandit. So if you love the Bhagavatam, you're going to get, you're going to, if you love it, you're going to know it. To love one is to know one. Hmm? So you may like the Bhagavatam. It's another one of the scriptures. Yeah, I, I know some verses from there. I've read the Bhagavatam. It's a good, it's one of, it's a, one of the Puranas and, and so on and so forth. But I might have a love for the Sri Tashvataru Upanishad. You know, Shankar says, these are the 10 principles Upanishads. We say, says who? Said that you may have, you may think like that. You have your reasons for that. Some of them you haven't included. We think they're more important. These are the Gopal Tahani, Ishu Upanishad. These are uh, more important Upanishads. Anyway, so uh, to love one is to know one. It, it, it's, it's to the Gaudiya commentators on the Bhagavatam, nobody draws out what they draw. I mean, Madhva also wrote on the Bhagavatam, he wrote a commentary. And it'll put you to sleep. It's just a few lines here and there after every verse. But uh, Gaudiya commentaries, they transport you into the into the into the Leela that's being discussed, particularly with regard to the Leela narrative in the 10th canto. So Sarvabomo, you know, he was he was a dry logician as he uh, describes himself. Very dry. He could not understand that guy who the king put in, in charge down there at Godavari, that Ramananda Roy, he's just like a god. Always gushing with these poetic, sentimental sensibilities. If I tried to talk with him, I, I could not understand. This is what he told Mahaprabhu. Now that I've been converted by you and you're about to go south, let me give you one piece of humbly advised, meet with that guy. Now I figured him out, what he's about. He's about what you're about, what about Bhakti Rasa. Now I have some, some feeling for it. So, um, so it's all about the, the conversion of the charge of Boma. Does Krishna come in the four yugas? Well, yes, Bhagavad, but we recite the Bhagavad Gita. The verse you cited. Uh, what is the verse? Yadayadahi dharmasya glani bhavati bharata bhutanam adharmasya tadatmaram sri jamriham ritranaya sadhunam vina shayatra tuskritam dharma samstapanartaya sambhavami yuge yuge. From that we'll say, see, we found Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Bhagavad Gita. Comes yuga after yuga. So then this understanding corresponds with the understanding of the Bhagavatam where the word Tri Yuga is explained by Prahlad who invokes the word and says, it means he comes in Kali Yuga in a covert way. So he comes and doesn't come. You have to pay attention. Does that help? Help me, so thanks for asking. <laughs> Thank you. Another question? So um, Greg has a question. Greg Hope. Anand Maharaj. Yes. We hope you'll come soon. When are you? Uh, yeah. Uh, in about a week. Uh, a week on a week tomorrow, on the tenth. Okay. 
Yes, I'm so looking forward to seeing you. It's been too long. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I had a question about a class you uh, gave about a week ago on Brahma. Uh, I think it was the second Brahma Vimohan Lila class um, when you ex were explaining why Brahma only ha has very few temples in relation to Gayatri. I didn't follow that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought about that afterwards. I didn't really play that out. In front of me. Um, it's true. Yeah. Brahma only has one temple. Um, I think, in Pushkar. Yeah. And uh, the, the story from the Puranas, of course, as I mentioned, is that um, his, um, and thank you for paying such close attention to the class. I can't always keep up with all the thoughts that come, as you know, um, but uh, when I'm giving them, but uh, uh, again, Brahma was uh, performing a yoga. His wife Saraswati was busy inviting um, Indra's wife and others and making sure all the guests were taken care of. <laughs> but she was needed as, uh, in terms of the, the, the ritual um, that he was performing um, for the, his wife's participation. So, you know, the yoga, yoga was being held up. So he asked Indra to. Do something. So then you thought, let's get him another wife. So he went and took a girl from the coward community on earth because coward girls are pure, but they're always taking care of cows that are gods themselves on earth, right? So um, uh, that girl was Gayatri, so Brahma has another wife named Gayatri. But the coward community complained, right? can't steal one of our girls like this. And so Vishnu intervened and he said, you know, I will make up for this by way of appearing in your family, in your community in the future. But of course, that's Krishna coming. And at that time, that this is the point I didn't make, or, um, then that this girl Gayatri, she'll come, she'll incarnate there as well and be one of, one of my wives. One of my consorts. That's Kam Gayatri. The Brahma Gayatri manifests as Kam Gayatri, personified, you can say, as a form of Gopi Bhav. And aside from that, Brahma will only have one temple. <laughs> you won't be worshipped uh, anywhere and everywhere. Uh, it may have been Vishnu said that, or there was a it was, it was a curse with, with regard to that. So they're, they're related. And, you know, I mean, look around. How many devotees of Shiva are there? Well, quite a few. From Kashmir down to the south. How many devotees of, uh, of um, uh, Vishnu are there? So many, right, of Narayan. Even Indra has, you know, in a, a lot of people worship Indra. He's, his name is invoked more in the Vedas, the four Vedas, than any other god. And the quality of the invocation is different than that of Narayan, Vishnu, which leads us to believe, if you understand the quality of the uh, utterances in which those names are found, the quality of the utterances regarding Vishnu is of a superior quality. So, But at any rate, 
Brahma's comparatively, uh, who are his devotees, who are the devotees of Brahma. Now, the other side of that, of course, is that um, Brahma is the leader of our Sampradaya, devotee of Madhva, Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. He's a devotee of Krishna. He received his uh, Gopal mantra from Krishna, Gayatri he received from Krishna, and so forth. And um, his power to do the creation work is all in his invested power. He's invested by, um, by Krishna. And so, and in the words, in one sense, to his credit, he doesn't accept very many devotees. He, he teaches everybody to be a devotee of Krishna <laughs> by his example. But he's worshipable by us, nonetheless. Does that help? Yes, thank you very much, Mars. Hare Krishna. Uh, of course, the, the opinion that I've given, and I've made a very, I would say, a very strong case for Brahma's Sakyarasa. Uh, and it's played out very well in, in my book from many different angles. It's not the only opinion. Some people have other opinions. And if their opinion is well supported, well, let it be. But some opinions are given without that much support. And if it was brought to that person's attention, then I'm sure that they would they uh, find the measure of support uh, that could be marshaled for um, seeing him in Sakuras to be considerable. Um, because most of the other ideas are stated, and there aren't many, but stated without much support. One idea that has some support is that Brahma's in Dasirasa. Support for this, of course, um, you can find a statement in the, co the commentaries a couple of places, not necessarily with other supporting evidence, but Brahma seems in those contexts to be expressing himself as a dasya. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, Rupa Goswami describes that gods like Brahma and Shiva and Indra, they have a kind of rasa with God, a type of dasya rasa called adikritya das. Adikritya means that they're like empowered uh, uh, agents of God, the divinity trainer, embodiments, personifications of features of the macrocosm that have influence over our microcosmic lives. Mm -hmm. This is basically how you describe the gods, right, and goddesses. Um, so they're referred to there. Now, so how will we understand that? Well, one way we could say, well, so Brahma's an Adikritte, so he's in Dasarasa. But at the same time, Brahma is a post that different jivas will, will take. So it's the post that has that type of rapport and relationship. And it doesn't define, in all respects, the person in the post of Brahma who's now in that post. Let's take Gopa Kumar, for example, in Brihad Bhagavatamrita. What's described in Brihad Bhagavatam in the second canto is what we call Kramukti 
So he's going to step by step. I went here, I went here, I went here, I went here, I went here. Of course, he ends up in Goloka and he ends up as a Priyanarna Saka in Goloka, right? Yeah. But at a certain point in his gradual step, cramming step, so step by step, then everybody will go through that process. You go direct from here. After a couple of lives, we go to the Braj Lila. But as a Brahma, or living in Brahmaloka, serving in Brahmaloka, and observing the way in which God is worshipped there, um, uh, the person, the jiva who's in the post of Brahma, gets taken out of that for certain reasons. And then uh, Narayan appoints Gopakumar to become a Brahma. So is Gopakumar, is, is now is he, is he in Dasarasa? Hmm? So no, so we shouldn't think, we should separate out the two. Brahma may be in even in, this, in the mood of Aladi Kriptidas relative to his position, but he's coming out of it based on his initiation, Krishna bringing him into the Brajalila and so on and so forth, and he comes out in his prayers. After all, he comes down on his swan, right? To check things out. The implication is that he's not gonna touch the earth. The gods don't touch the earth. He's on his carrier, the swan. But he gets off of his, he gets off of it if he doesn't fall off of it, having seen the Aishvarya of Krishna. Mm -hmm. And the implication of that is he's stepping out of his Adikrita Das post and all that goes that, with that into the bhava that um, he's been invited into, initiated into really at the, at, the, at the dawn of creation. And of course, another way to look at Rupa Goswami's explanation of the Adikrita Das type of Dasya Bhakti is that in Goloka itself, there are gods. There's a Brahma there. There's a Shiva there. There's an Indra there for it to be human-like. And those features, the godly features of the uppercut Leela, they're in Adikrittadas. That's their relationship with Krishna. It's not something that we, we, we don't have a window of opportunity to enter into that. Unfortunately, the window of opportunity has been given to us in Gaudiya Sampradaya through Gore and the Dinandapu is, is more arguably more more desirable, more sweet, more charming. Madhuryarasa, Sakiras. So, something more about uh, Brahma. Hmm? Thank you very much, Maris. Okay. So another question? Okay. Yes. There was a, a follow-up question or no? There's, there's a follow-up question, yeah. Okay, we have one here too, I think. So, okay. let's go here first. Go ahead. You, you want the inter um, so Guru Vakya had an interesting question. Um, isn't Brahma worshipped widely in Thailand by Buddhists? <laughs> Thailand is Hinduism on tilt. That's what it is. If you're going to Thailand, go to the Ram, you know, the King Ram's uh, you know, palace. Uh, Ram the third or fourth or fifth or whatever it is, I don't know. And uh, so it's a tourist attraction now because obviously Thailand is no longer a monarchy. So uh, Ram the 10th or whatever it is, has, his palace is very famous. And if you go in there and you walk on the walls of the murals all the way around, there are the murals of Mahabharat. Hmm? But if it's a Thai version of Mahabharat, you just 
I think that's a Mahabharata. Is that the Mahabharata? I think that's the Mahabharata. It's like on tilt. The whole thing's just slightly on tilt. Burma becomes Brahma. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, and uh, what's the other one? Thailand was another called Siam. Siam? Sham. Brahma. Burma or Burma's Brahma. I don't know. There's evidence that obviously that Hinduism expanded beyond the present uh, geographical limits of, of, of India. You know, you have in the biggest Vishnu temple in the world, perhaps, uh, or a, in fact, I should say, is in Vietnam. Is it Vietnam or Cambodia? Cambodia. Mm -hmm. Cambodia. Uh, Angkor Wat. It's an old, you know, it's an ancient temple. It's no longer functioning as a temple. It's now a, a tourist attraction. So, um, you know, what's the history of devotees of Brahma in uh, in Thailand? I don't know if it's still going on. It's, it's still, it's Hinduism until it's, it's not. They need a guru over there. Bring them, bring them in front in line. So you had a question? Yes. Uh, so I heard that Paramatma uh, speak to us and guide us. Mm -hmm. and how do we know what's Paramatma and not simply our folk ego? So the question is about Paramatma. It said the Paramatma guides us. How do we know we're listening to the Paramatma and not our false ego? So the idea there, of course, is that um, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that um, what does it say? I'm in the heart of I'm in the heart of everyone. So this is Krishna speaking. There's two ways to think about that. Uh, Krishna sometimes speaks in the Bhagavad Gita about himself in terms of his Paramatma feature as the overlord of the world or as the uh, presiding deity in the heart of every jiva. That's also Krishna. It's not directly Krishna. It's, but in terms of tattva, Vishnu is also Krishna. He has a certain function there, right? But, it, but of course, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, our deity is Krishna. And we have, by the grace of our association and so forth, Adhikar eligibility to worship the deity of Krishna. And so we will replace, if you will, the Paramatma feature, or so forth, overlord of the world, from our heart with Krishna in our heart. Therefore, Brahma say praise in his Samhita, what? Yam Shama Sundara Machintuguna Sarupam. He says, uh, how does that first start? Hmm? What is it? I can't hear you. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, Yam Shama Sundaram Achintyaguna Swarupam Govindam Mahari Purusham Tamamadam Premanjana Churita Bhakti Milochanena Sandasadeva Hridayeshu Vilokayanti. When when's he said, Brahma says, when one's eye is tinged with the salve of love, prem, premanjana, 
you take the salve of love and put it on your eyes. Premanjuna Churita Bhakti Vilochana Sandasari Then that Lord of the heart. Premanjuna Churita Bhakti Vilochana Sandasari means heart. Yam Shama Sundaram Achintya Guna Sarupam. He becomes, this is Brahma's thinking. I've made the Lord of my heart, Shamsundar. He has Achintya Guna Sarupam, inconceivable qualities, nature, one inconceivably wonderful. Sham, see, his name is Shamsundar. So, when, so this is our culture. It's culture Prem, that Krishna will play, replace the Paramatma in the heart. So we don't play the, pray to the Paramatma, we pray to Krishna. You have to, you can pray to the Lord of your heart. You can try to put him in your mind, or you can stand in front of Raja Gopal and you can be standing right there. It's better than in the mind, because in the mind you might remember his leg, his foot, his, his hairdo, his crown. What did Balaram look like? The mind's like this. Hmm? But the deities there in stone, apparently, but he's more, more present. This is how the devotees think. And of course, by focusing on the deity in that way, as if deity worship is more important than meditation in uh, the Ghanis, which it is, then Krishna will enter your heart. And wherever your heart is, that's where your mind will go automatically. Then your mind will be entirely fixed. So just a point as an aside, but how do you know the deity's talking to you and smell your mind? Well, he's pretty clear when he speaks. <laughs> but besides that, there's another saying that the devotees will be guided. This is, this is rather than what they'll hear, what they'll see, but it's related by Shastra Chakshu. Their eyes will be guided by Shastra. So their ears will also be guided by the Shastra. Chakshu means eyes. So they will see, means with their ears. And that sounds kind of odd, but that's what, there's another verse. What is Krishna, how is Krishna described? Yes, from what does he say? With one sense, he can do what he can do with another sense. What is it? Angani yasya sakalam. Sakalindri. So, Sakalindriya, all of his senses are interchangeable. You may think, wow, that's pretty amazing, right? So he can do one thing with one sense, which is ordinarily limited to a particular function, and do any function of any senses with that feature of his, of it, with, his with his senses, whether they be working senses, arms, and legs, or whether they be the perceiving senses. You may think that's pretty interesting. It is. But you will have a form similar to that. Now here's the beginning. Start to see with your with your ears. Try seeing with your ears. It can be done. And <laughs> what do we mean by that? You will hear from the scripture and Guru, who's always supporting what what she says with the scripture, mm -hmm. um, and that will become that which guides you, mm -hmm. rather than your ordinary eyes. It means your ordinary feelings and sentiments. So you, if you have a feeling, I think 
this is what's happening. This is what Krishna wants me to do or something like that. That's a little specific and, I, and we should comment about, on that. But whether I have, a, let's say I have a, I'm chanting and I get a feeling from that, I'm thinking like this. I'll want to confirm that with the scripture. Does it fit in anywhere or is this just my imagination? And I'll give you an example. Um, there was a disciple of Prabhupada and he said that Prabhupada, when I'm chanting, I see a blue light surrounding me and Krishna's colors, which shone, it's kind of like bluish and black. I'm chanting and a blue light surrounds me. And Prabhupada said, keep chanting, it'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so things like that. Now, if we're thinking, should I go to Canada or should I go to Finland? <laughs> you know, what does God want me to do now? Well, you know, um, what we really should do, well, <laughs> we try to get as good advice as we can, but that's rather somewhat relative. We could ask our guru, but if we ask our guru, then we should be careful. Because if we say, I think I'd like to go to Canada, let's get Guru Marsh's blessing. Let's ask him. Because we're thinking of going to Canada. He says, I don't think it's a good idea. Then you're in trouble, right? <laughs> <laughs> but probably you'll say, hmm, Canada, okay, what can I do there? How can I connect there? You know, Canada visit to what, would, what has meaning and purpose. Canada, can you bring me some of the, some of what what's famous in Canada was? I was going to say maple syrup. <laughs> I was thinking maple syrup. They have that hockey team, the Maple Leafs, right? So, yeah. I was thinking, bring me some maple. Yeah, so, so they go all that way and they think they're doing one thing, but they're just bringing some maple syrup and <laughs> give it to the deep. That's what they really went for. Something like that. <laughs> that help? Yeah. Another question? Um, so if there, if anyone else online has a question, you could just like write it in the chat or just be like, I have a question to ask. We have a question here from Hari Priya. Okay. Yeah. Guru Maharaj said, surrender is referred to with different terms, like for example, Atman Vedananda, Atman, et cetera. So I was wondering, um, um, is there a essential difference between these words in relation to the life of Sadhaka? Is there some nuanced meaning of the words? Yeah, yeah. yeah. or like specific difference. Or... Well, um, I, in one sense, uh, Sharanagati is a term that's broad and means surrender. But within Sharanagati, then there are different limbs of Sharanagati, how it would play itself out. And Sharanagati is thought to be the outward expression of the inner kind of invisible intangible faith how it expresses it itself so it expresses itself the surrender as accepting what's favorable for bhakti rejecting what's unfavorable thinking of that uh, of krishna is my protector instead of something else or someone else krishna is my maintainer instead of someone else so i may be working in a job for someone else they're not maintainer my maintainer, Krishna's paying me through them, and what he's giving me is 
is is is my due and if i get a raise i thank him for that his music is a service but anyway he's my maintainer go to play and then not uh, uh then uh, that's one two three four okay and then humility dainya and atmanivedanam is the word you're asking about right so in that sense, there's a difference between Sharanagati and Atmanivedanam, and Atmanivedanam is an aspect of Sharanagati, which includes these other things as well. But the word Atmanivedanam, separate from the whole analysis of Sharanagati, is a, it could be a synonym, right? Um, sometimes Atmanivedanam is described, it's rather abstract, I've always found, but it's sometimes described as uh, thinking of oneself like a domestic animal. Hmm. under the care of its masters. Hmm. So like a cow hmm. under its, those who are protecting her uh, there to provide milk and, and go here. He says, go here, go there, move to that pen, move over here, like that. Atmanic shape, carpani, yeah. The other example, prominent example of, of the word Atmanivedanam, or the concept, um, is that of Bali Maharaj. So Bali Maharaj uh, had a struggle with, uh, well, he, what did he do? Um, he he uh, wanted to um, conquer the world. And Krishna appeared as a dwarf, Vaman avatar, and um, asked him asked him for charity, which is a Brahmin will ask, uh, you know, a king for charity. So the, uh, his his guru Sukhachar said, "Don't give to that Brahmin. That's Vishnu. That's not going to work for you." But he, he thought, nah, I'm going to disobey the guru. That does, the advice of the guru does not correspond with the scripture. I should give the Brahmins. So um, what do you want? He asked Brahman. Brahman said, well, I want, uh, you know, some land. Well, sure. I got the whole universe right now, you know, in my grasp. So what do you want? Obviously, he didn't have Brahman in his grasp. So is beyond the universe is the implication of that. Mm -hmm. And being beyond the universe is to have control of it. If you're in it and you think you have control of it, it has control of you. <laughs> That's for sure. So, so, well, he said, sure, you know, take three steps of land, you know. He asked for three steps of land. Give me three steps. How much? Three steps. Sure, take it. So with one step, he covered the whole lower planetary system and the other step, he covered the whole upper planetary system. There was nothing left. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, now you, you said you'd given me a benediction of three steps, but now you're not good for your word. What are you gonna do now? He said, he said, you got wise. He said, step on my head, third step. Atman evaded them sometimes. Uh, uh, it's said to be illustrated by allowing Vishnu to step on your head, I guess you could say. So I can only explain it 
by those kind of examples in terms of trying to nuance it between charnagati, atmanic shape, uh, atmani vedan. They, they, they are synonymous. Um, does that help? Yeah. Be sold out. Something like that. Sign on as, you know, an indentured uh, servant. Pujapachi Amar sometimes described it as we're advocating slavery. I don't know how popular it will be in the world. <laughs> Everyone wants freedom, right? It's all about freedom. We're advocating slavery. But in the context of that slavery, such freedom we have to interact with Bhagwan that's mind boggling. So that's it for today. We're out of time. Thank you all for the questions. And I expect to be uh, with you again next Sunday. Thank you. Okay. Um, announcements. Okay. Sometimes it's hard for me to just like switch gears after listening or trying to listen. Okay, so um, maybe Sakurati can also correct me if I get some of this wrong. So on Monday, Pubmanabha, at, on Monday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, Pubmanabha Swami will be giving his classes um, on Venu Gita, that's 7.30 p.m. And then, so he's also doing the same thing on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Guru Dev is giving his classes on Rama Vimohan Lila. And then also on Thursday at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time. And then also on Thursday, there's going to be a Q&A with Padmanabha Swami at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then on Friday at 12.30, <laughs> p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Guru Dave is giving uh, his classes on Brahma Mohan Leela and then at 7.30 p.m. on that same, also on Friday, Pabhanabha Swami is giving classes on Venu Gita and then on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Um, Pabhanabha Swami is giving class on Venu Gita and then we're back here on Sunday. I hope that was clear. If it's not, you can always check your inbox <laughs> and your email or Facebook. Okay, um, I'm grateful for all of you. Thank you for being here. Um, hopefully I, I did that okay. Okay, Haribo everyone. <laughs>